Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to No Easy Answer. It is the 20th, I believe, of November 2020. 11-20-2020. Check it out. Um, and it's the week of Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, you've brought us to Thanksgiving. Thank you that you are keeping us alive for those that are still alive. Uh, Lord have mercy on everyone that has lost loved ones due to this pandemic and other factors and lost jobs and everyone that has lost. Father God, we pray that you'd be their provider to give back to them in abundance. You'd walk with them in moments of mourning and that your presence would be always around them in all things at all times. So, still... We're going to give you thanks, even the good things and the bad things. We're thankful for all that you are, all that you do. And pray that you bless us at this moment to seek you and be drawn closer to you. All right, everybody. We are talking about violence. And we've been talking about violence for a long time. And we're going down this kind of checklist of uh, different items of violence, examples of violence and how they affect us and kind of how they're seen within the biblical context and kind of what the root issue is and whatnot, and also how we can actually apply this in our own lives or what our response, informed by the biblical response, should be. So, with that, guess what we're talking about for today, and this is going to be a definite two-parter, maybe even more, we're talking about corporal punishment. That means punishing the body. The physicality is going to be punished by someone. So, this first part of corporal punishment, we're going to talk about parenting and the use of corporal punishment in parenting. Um, And in the next episode, we'll talk about the use of corporal punishment uh, within the state. So, can the state, and I'm going to probably lump capital punishment in there as well, uh, along with corporal punishment, and talk about the whole thing. So, uh, we're kind of kind of going alphabetical here, but not perfect. So, let's get into it. Corporal punishment. In this episode, I'm gonna break from what I've typically done in these other episodes. We'll say, hey, here's the biblical foundation for this, and then here's the root of the problem and what we do about it. I'm actually gonna start with the scientific evidence on this one first, uh, and then we're gonna jump into the Bible. And and this is gonna be kind of a, a different way to look at it. Um, and I actually was able to do some research. I was able to, to grab some time and sit down and look at this, not to the degree I would have liked, because this is a fascinating topic. This is one of those, like, wow. And I'm going to be verbally processing this out in front of your very ears. So hang in there with me. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope it's a blessing to you. Uh, like I said, if there's things here that do not bless you, don't listen. <laughs> Use your time for something much better. Uh, but if you do like it, if this is a blessing to you, keep at it. And I hope that my humble perspectives and opinions on things might be able to uh, help you in our walk uh, towards following Jesus just that much better. So, let me start out with this. I, I got lots of stories in this one. But uh, let me start out with a, the small little story. Um, I was in Columbia and my daughter was very young. My son had not been born yet, and she was very young. And she, well, let's put it this way. The electrical plugs in Columbia uh, don't go all the way down to the floor because the houses tend to flood, so you don't want to get electrocuted as you're flooding. And so they tend to be a little bit higher up on the wall that also saves on how much cables you have to run, how many cables you have to run, so it's a little bit cheaper to actually uh, line out a house for electric for electricity and so in this house the electrical uh plugins were not down by the floor nor were they at eye height they're kind of somewhere down towards the middle maybe like two feet three feet off the floor my daughter was like i said probably a year and a half two years old at this point and she just fell in love with the electrical plugs she was like oh my gosh and she didn't say oh my gosh because she shouldn't talk she was just every moment the minute even if we are watching her or not watching her, she wanted to get her fingers in these plugs. And so as responsible parents, uh, we went out and bought some plug covers. We were able to find those in Columbia, amazingly enough. They do exist. We were able to find some of those. We put those in the plugs. But still, that was not enough. Now it was the challenge of, how can I get this thing out of here? And sure enough, she figured out how to do it. 
And so we have this this very young, non-reasoning being, <laughs> our own flesh and blood, trying to uh, unwittingly commit suicide by sticking her finger into the electrical line. And so I figured I need to stop this. Talking to her did not work. Timeout does not work. Uh, we were also sharing the house with uh, our family, and so our cousin, who was just a few months older, was in the same thing, and he knew this was not a good thing to do. Somehow he got that figured out, but and he would tell her not to do it, but it still just went nowhere. And so finally one day I said, you know what? Going with words, going with removal just does not work. I've got to go back to my... 101 psychology and I've got to inculcate some sort of negative association with these plugs and so I sat by her and every time she put her hand or one day I was like I'm just gonna do this and this is gonna be the thing I'm doing and this is it and she needs to learn every time she struck out her hand to stick her finger in the socket I would hit it bam and then she's gonna look at me and then stick her finger back towards the socket bam look at me again stick her finger back towards the socket bam pull the hand back finger back towards the socket. Bam! Pull the hand back. Put the finger towards the socket. Bam! Finger towards the socket. Bam! This was not going anywhere, but I continued. I persisted. And I honestly, honestly, have no recollection of how this ended. (laughs) I don't know. I do not remember what the end result of this was. Um, All that to say, I was doing everything within my power Uh, to try to keep my daughter alive. And nothing had worked. And so I was resorting to trying to inculcate some sort of negative association with sticking your hand out toward the plug. And it may or may not have worked. She's still alive, but I know this was not resolved as of that day. It kept going. Anyways, same time I'm doing this, some old lady knocked on the door. She needed a glass of water, and she was walking with her, uh, her grandson, who was a little bit older than my daughter, maybe a little bit younger, and she had a switch in her hand. She talked about how every time, you know, he tried to run out in the street in front of the cars, he had to, she had to grab the switch and bam, hit him on the legs, because that was the only way he could keep him in line. And he didn't like it, but that was the case. And so as I was trying to hand her a glass of water, you know, she's holding him by the hand, and he's squirming and throwing himself on the ground and trying to switch back and forth, and then she's hitting the switch to kind of try to get him back in line. So, um, to open this, I, I want to say that even in my own experience, I was only spanked once, and it was not effective. Um, and I, I don't don't jump to conclusions here. I'm I'm I'm. You're gonna have to wait till the end on this one. You're gonna have to wait till the end of this one. I'm not saying one side or the other yet. I'm I'm just sharing my experience. Uh, I was not eating my green beans. I was not eating any vegetables or really any fruit at all, and I just refused to do it. I was an extremely picky eater, and I was extremely hard-headed, and I think a lot of people would say, I still am. And so my parents were frustrated, and so they threatened me. They said, they're going to take this away, take that away. And then we tried to compromise. It went from 20. So it went from all of them to a number, to 20, and then from 20 to 15, and 15 to 5, and then nothing, 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 nothing. So finally my dad was so frustrated. This was happening night after night after night after night. So finally he said, you know what, if you don't eat, you're going to spank like, but the problem is, I said, but the problem is, but the problem is. And so finally the problem got me in the bedroom with my dad, pulling down my pants, and throwing me out of the bed, and spanking my bare buttocks. Now, I cried like a little girl. Uh, and I wept, and it was terrible. Now, speaking of my dad years later, he said he hit me about as hard as you would hit, uh, I'm trying to think of something you'd hit that's very soft. I don't know. Hit me about as hard as you would, like, hit, I don't know. He basically, it, it was not hitting. It was like, I don't know if you can hear as I hit my steering wheel. It's about that soft. So, <laughs> there was really very little, very little impact here. Um, going on my my buttocks at this point. Still, I was felt absolutely traumatized at that moment. Then my dad sat me down in front of the plate and said, eat the green beans. But the problem is... (laughs) Did not work. In any case, that was the only time he said he felt terrible about it and he never spanked me again. There were threats. There were many threats. But I never got spanked again. So... Um, When I go to a culture like Colombia, or just Latin America in general, where spanking is, and other, the use of of many objects is common, 
uh, it was kind of a different type of context, and so I saw this a lot. And I remember as as a young prospective missionary going to Urbana and, and listening to this uh, one woman who was uh, a missionary in the Philippines, and she was an incarnational minister like I wanted to be, and she was living in the neighborhood, and so she had the neighborhood kids that come over and play, and she'd try to teach them lessons and all this kind of stuff, and then the walls were super thin, so the kids would go back to their house, and their parents would, would hit them, and she's like, oh, I have to listen to child abuse every single day of my life. Well, when I got to Latin America, and especially after I had kids, it's like, this is not child abuse. This is just parents trying to stay alive. <laughs> this is survival. And we're going to get to that in a second. But all to say, I've had some different perspectives on the whole corporal punishment on, child, on children thing. I've seen it um, in my own experience just for myself, just once, uh, that it was not effective. Um, I've seen that it's not something that is widely promoted here in the States. Nonetheless, I feel like it does happen. I feel like now, as a parent, I feel like there's much more acceptance of it. Um, and then we're going to get into the science, which is very much against it. And then if you go to Latin America, there have been great strides by many of the governing entities to embrace the wide body of science, which we'll find out is not that wide, um, in a very specific way. Uh to embrace that and apply that in their laws and so now parents are really confused because they come from a very long culture of lots of corporal punishment and now they're scared if they apply corporal punishment to their children they're going to lose their children someone may come and just take their children away and they'll never see them again so all that to say um I've kind of seen the gambit and I've, I know I know people uh who have received much corporal punishment as children turned out okay. I've seen much that have received corporal punishment and maybe are not as good. I've seen people that have received no corporal punishment and they're a mess. And I've seen people that have received no corporal punishment and they're doing good. So again, my personal perspective on this, I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. But just so you know, as I walk into this, I've I've seen a little bit of everything. Um, and I'm, I'm trying not to taint anything with, with my own perspective on it. And even then, as I was doing research for this, I was, I was impacted. And I, I'm still, I'm going to be honest with you, a little bit confused. And I think, and I think, if we're all honest as parents, probably all of us are. And I think that's okay. And I think the more we can admit that, that's even better. So, uh, scientific research. Now, if, if you look up the whole spanking debate and look up uh, papers on spanking, you will find a plethora, I mean, lots of papers, lots of papers. And you'll see meta-studies, and meta-studies are studies of the studies. So um, you'll see even something, an article out there from Psychology Today says, hey, this, this is done. Stick a fork in it. The results are conclusive, and, and it's very rare you're going to see that within the scientific community, but this is peer-reviewed stuff. And there are some studies that are not peer-reviewed that have been thrown out, um, but most of the peer-reviewed, I mean all the peer-reviewed studies really kind of point to the same thing, and that is that as they've studied children, the children that receive the most physical punishment, and we're talking maybe not spanking, but using belts, using other types of objects, hitting, this kind of stuff, uh, really, these are the ones that are most likely to have issues later on in life. And so now the question becomes, how tightly can we refine this thing between physical abuse with, you know, the TV versus spanking on the buttocks? And there's studies that will say, eh, maybe there's really nothing here, maybe there really is something here. Now, as I got into these studies, I, I immediately, my, my, little, my, my brief scientific background and training began to say, ah, but, but studies, perhaps you're a little short-sighted. Perhaps what you're really finding is not, is an association, I'm sorry, what you're finding is an association and not causality. So the fact that we see that the parents that hit their children more means that those children have problems later on in life, maybe that's not an indication that the that the corporal punishment is causing these issues later in life. Maybe these kids, to use a very terrible term, uh, which I don't like, but maybe these kids are just kind of predestined or 
sometimes you hear the term bad apple, which I don't like that term. I really dislike that term. Many of these kids are just kind of on a track for problems later on in life, and the way they're manifesting it within their family elicits a punitive response by the parents. And so this is more of an association and not a causality. Well, 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 I begin to look into that. And it turns out the studies are pretty thorough. And they say, well, here's what we do to take this into account. And they have a number of different, you know, scientific uh, things they do to take into account. And it turns out, they find, within these studies, that the issue is not one of just association, but there seems to be a level of causality here as well. So that the more abuse that a children receives in their upbringing, I mean physical, corporal punishment, the more likely it is that they're going to have problems later in life. The more likely it is, even as a child, they're going to continue to act out and become more aggressive, more violent, more rebellious, listen less, and behave poorly. So, there seems to be a correlation and causality between all this going on. Now, that was probably about 90% of the studies uh, that are out there. I'm, I'd probably even say 95% of the articles I was able to find, and they all point to the exact same thing. It's like, hitting your children is not good for them. That's that's the basic message coming out of it. So, um, there's one more study I'm going to come back to at the end. But I began to ask the question now, okay, so if, if corporal punishment, according to science... And again, we have to say what is good or bad, but really we're trying to say, does corporal punishment encourage more disobedience in children? Uh, then the question that seems to be yes. Does it have, put them on a higher risk of uh, landing in jail later on in life? It would seem to be yes. Um, so it seems to be inculcating behaviors that are more likely to accrue more punishment later on. So then I had this kind of silly question. And I thought, well, okay... You know, I'm, I've, and, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later about, you know, some other experiences that, that I've had um, in life with different people. Um, but it's like, okay, well, if, if physical punishment causes this, what about a lack of discipline? Or, or what about just plain old abandonment? What if we just abandon kids and leave them to their own measures? What kind of behavior results out of that? And fascinatingly enough, there are almost no studies about this. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was able to find one, but even then it was talking about how parents abandon their children. And in this was saying the, in the, in this abandonment, what it was saying is that there seems to be this kind of, uh, the, the, the qualification of abandonment was that the, the parent is essentially absent from the child's life, except for moments of corporal abuse, which means you know, the dad's sitting down, trying to watch the game, drinking a beer, and the kid does something, interrupts the game, so bam, off comes the belt and hits the kid, and that's that. Uh, there's no consistent discipline, that there's only just inconsistent physical uh, punishment, and the rest of the time just being absent. And it would appear that this, this basic study, um, referred to in, in the United Kingdom, was uh, not... Uh, I haven't seen replicate, but that was kind of it. Like, that was really kind of it. And it was saying, like, listen, these kids grew up to be problem teenagers. These kids grew up to have lots of problems later on in life, and this is not a good way to be raising children. So I just thought, okay, interesting, but what about the parent who just is, like, the spoiling parent? What about the parent who was just, like, too busy working, and they don't pay any attention to the kids? What What's the effect on that? And as of now, again, I have not been able to do 100% thorough research, but just even with some basic Googling, I haven't been able to find anything. Which is kind of crazy. Uh, we live in this world of lots of information. There's lots of studies out there. And there are a whole bunch of studies about spanking and corporal punishment on kids. But what about the studies where the parents are just kind of like, eh? Uh, one thing I really would like to look up and I didn't get a chance to look it up because this kind of came to you later and it's like, oh, that's, this would be a good one. What about studies like foster kids where they get in these houses and the, and the parents just don't really even acknowledge their existence. They just feed them and get money from the state and that's how they live. What about a study of that? And again, I, there may be a study on that, but from what I can tell from this basic research, I, I couldn't find anything. Uh, 
So then I thought, well, okay, surely, surely there's got to be some study that says, hey, look, here is the holy grail of child rearing. This is, this is by far field tested, tried against many different ways, the best way to raise a child in terms of discipline in terms of actually trying to shape their character or something like that. If, if the scientific community is very much in agreement about how uh, we should not be spanking, should not be applying corporal punishment, surely there must be something out there that says, this is the best way forward. And so I started looking that up, and there's a lot of websites that talk about this, but in terms of actual scientific studies, I struck out again. Uh, which, which to me is fascinating. I mean, really, this is, I mean, I understand science. It's like, all right, you know, I see A, I see phenomena A, and so I, I try to see if there's a relation or a correlation between phenomena A and phenomena B, and, and that's the end of that. And so trying to come to some kind of global consensus of this is the best way forward, it's, it's really easier to strike things down than it is to put something up. But still, it's like, has no one done any study on the effects of timeouts? Is nobody in any study on, uh, you know, some other types of, of discipline or anything else? I don't even know what that'd be, but, you know, something else. I'm sure there's a lot more creative people in the, in the, in the child-rearing community that would help us out with some of these ideas that we could potentially study. And it really, like I said, there's information out there, but it, it seems like it's just a lot of organizations, um, you know, some opinion blogs, that kind of stuff, uh, some news, basic news sites. But in terms of, like, actual, like, research peer-reviewed research striking out so that kind of brought me to this kind of funny conclusion because check out the irony on this one people the scientific community is coming down very hard on the spankers and the corporal punishers so what is the scientific community doing via its own little methods it's punishing the punishers it's spanking the spankers. <laughs> the, the, the scientific community is, is not necessarily trying to figure out something, what we can do, because uh, they say, listen, you know, if, if, if you were spanked as a kid, you're much more likely to go on and to spank later on in life. But uh, I feel like the scientific community is saying, oh, there's people out there who spank. Let's see what the spanking does. And so the focus is being on the corporal punishment and not on the actual good, as if you could define it scientifically, of the child and what would be perhaps a best method to actually raise a child or what are other... Let's evaluate the effectiveness of other methods of discipline or let's evaluate the, the effects of discipline, period. What happens if we have discipline? What happens if we don't have discipline? Those things are absent. Seriously absent. So... You'll find this in life, and I think this is very true in any kind of punishment. Punishment or violence always begets more violence. And so, uh, hilariously enough, the studiers of this, in trying to come to the defense of the poor children that are being struck by their parents, are striking the parents. <laughs> They're not actually helping. They're just saying, don't do that. Uh, and as much as, you know, many of the typical modern psychology things is like, you know, don't do the negatives, do the positives. What is the scientific community offering that's the positive reemplacement of the spanking? I don't see it. So, um, fascinating, fascinating meta-study of the meta-studies would be, does anyone even look at any of these other questions I'm, I'm bringing up? So if somebody wants to look into that, I think that would be great. Uh, but I, I don't know if anyone has. I don't know if anyone sat down and even looked at this to be like, wait a minute, we got a problem here. Everyone's just so busy trying to get everyone to stop punishing that they're punishing the punishers. And they're not actually trying to scientifically review or consider anything else that might be positive beyond that. Now, I would be remiss, I would be remiss if um, I did not bring up one article or one, and I don't, I don't think it's even like a scientific study. It was a scientific meta-study, actually. Um, and it was kind of a fascinating little thing, and, and there, you will see there is some biblical basis for this one as well. I, I don't like this, but really, really, uh, this meta-study, and again, you can find studies that show different things, but this meta-study, which was not widely repeated, uh, had this very dramatic hypothesis, and it's like, you know what? 
parents, you don't matter. <laughs> really, you think that you can change your child's future, you can change your child's outcome, that you can change your child's behavior, that you can change or form or shape who your child is. And he says, you know what, really? No. Um, he, he's the one that actually went to the whole causation thing I was talking about. It's like, hey, you know, because the, the kids are so crazy, the parents are driven to look for uh, ways to keep themselves alive and sane in the midst of it all. And we'll talk about that a bit later as well. Um, that uh, they resort to, to physical punishment. And as a result, as the kids uh, turn out this way, it's like, you know, what if, what if parents really have absolutely nothing to do with it? What if this is more kind of a genetic issue? What if this is the fact that kids are more shaped by their peers than they are by anything else? And so, um, really, it doesn't matter if you publish them physically or if you don't. It really doesn't matter if you, uh, if, if you discipline or if you don't. Really, it's going to depend what's the group of friends they fall into. What's going to have more effect on them than anything else? And really, what's their genetic disposition? And that's going to really kind of show where they're going to go to. Um, and even then, within the psychological world, from what I can tell, genetic disposition means more than just your genes, more than just the biology. It's it's a little more, you know, it takes into account some environment type things. So um, that was kind of a real kind of a slap in the face, I feel like, to everything else. Because, again, the scientific world is trying to say causality or association. I have spanking. I have some sort of physical uh, punishment. And then on the other side, I have kids that are jacked up and messed up. Uh, so there are, there is obviously still more to, to study. There's still more, there's a lot more to study really. And, and I feel like it's important that we understand this, what the scientific literature is saying and, and also what it's completely silent on. Um, that is very, 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 very important to, to understand because again, it's, it's kind of like, and let me tell you what, what happens in Latin America. There's all these studies that are done principally in North America, <laughs> maybe done in Europe. Um, there are some studies done in Latin America, but not many. I was trying to look it up in Spanish, and it seemed to be mostly pointing to studies done here, done in our particular culture, um, where spanking is a very widespread process, uh, uh, very widespread within the United States. I did not know this, but it's very widespread. Um, and so that, uh, that uh, what was I going to say? that widespreadness of the of the effect of spanking, it causes lots of these studies to be done, and everyone's kind of concerned because they're probably living their past trauma of being spanked, so they're trying to make sure nobody else gets spanked. And I even asked my daughter, because I, I have spanked her, as I told you, um, what do you feel like when you... And she hasn't spanked in a long time. Like, do you remember the last time she was spanked? And she said, no. Uh, like, do you remember how you feeling it spanked? She said, I don't like it. I don't feel good. It's like... She's like, if I have kids, I'm never going to spank them. It's like, all right, well, we'll see how that goes. So, <laughs> um, in any case, uh, what I'm trying to say is when you apply this type of thing in Latin America, where you've had a culture, for example, of many, 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 many spankings and other objects being thrown and used and employed to <laughs> apply discipline. And now all of a sudden the government says, you can't do that. I mean, you should, you should look at the map of South America. It's, it's every country except for Colombia and those three little countries like Suriname, French Suriname, and, and Guiana. Um, I'm sorry, Guiana, French Guiana, and Suriname. Um, th- it's entirely prohibited. Entirely prohibited. 100% prohibited the use of corporal punishment on children. Um, and even in Colombia, I know parents that have lost children. I'm not personally, but I know cases of parents that have lost their children because they have employed uh, pretty severe corporal punishment. I'm not going to say a little bit, pretty severe corporal punishment. So now the case is down there. Most parents are freaked out to do anything to their kids because they would much rather have their children, even if they can't punish them, than, than punish their children and lose them to the state. And this has caused this kind of vacuum where most people still punish their children via corporal means, via punishment, but but um, there's they can't do it in public because now it's only done in the house, which is probably not a good thing, because if there was an issue, you'd probably want to see it out in the street before you just chase everyone in their house. And that's one of the things they also talk about within corporal punishment, is that the effects on the children is that they don't really listen to it. Now they just become very good at hiding what they're doing. Um, They don't really stop it. But again, that may be the effect of any discipline, potentially. Um, But how would I know? There's no study that says anything about it. Hello? Uh, can we get that done? So all I have to say 
Um, maybe they're going to hide if you need to do timeout. My suspicion is that is the case. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of discipline you apply. There's going to be some kind of, of way to hide from the discipline. So, in Latin America, we have this whole generation where, where parents just don't know what to do. They don't know what to do because now they can't spank. This is all they've known as as as, as children themselves growing up, and now they can't do it because they say it's bad, and now you have a bunch of kids that are receiving no discipline because there's nothing else that's really uh, suggested in its place. And it's not like there you can be like, oh, let me just send the kids to their room and lock the door. There's no door. There's no room. The room is the house. Uh, that You may not have that kind of space where you can do that. Even where I was living just a little while ago, we had one bedroom, and it didn't have a door on it. So how in the world am I supposed to put my kids in timeout if I don't even have a place to do that? Uh, so th- there's, there, again, there's, there's these things that come up as like, oh, that's a good idea, let's do that. But sometimes you need certain resources, basic things that a lot of people don't have, to be able to do that. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, uh, we're going to talk about what is the biblical perspective on um, corporal punishment. And then finally, what are we going to do about this? Because that's kind of a big one. That's going to take a little while. So hold tight. I'll be right there. So we come to the biblical testament on corporal discipline from the perspective of a parent. And this is one of those cases where the Bible and science could not be at more opposite ends of the spectrum. Because if the current scientific literature, even if it's lacking in something, has done a very clear and I would believe effective job in showing that any kind of corporal discipline, and perhaps spanking not so much, there are some cases where it does show that it may have no effect, um, but more likely it opens up the possibility of parents to go beyond just a, a light spanking on the, on the buttocks, but we'll get to that in a second. But just that light spanking may not have an effect on the later development or current actual development of the child. However, the Bible is diametrically opposed to this. <laughs> the Bible is very open and encouraging of corporal punishments at all stages of life. Um, and really, if we're going to look at it, it it's, it's not just spanking. That idea doesn't even enter in there. It's, we're talking rods. We're talking instruments of corporal punishment. And it is well admonished, uh, both throughout, I would say, the Old and New Testaments, if I'm going to read this correctly. We see this very commonly in Proverbs. Uh, we saw it also in Deuteronomy. We see it in many cases how it is encouraged to uh, hit the back of a youth. We're not even talking a child, of a youth, so that they will turn from their evil and rebellious ways. Uh, so th- there's a lot of stuff here, and I'm not going to go into all the verses because it's kind of clear what it says, where the Bible is yay pro corporal punishment and it's not even pro spanking it's pro corporal punishment now again kind of kind of like what i talked about um early on with this series about violence when i did my little dialectic dialectic there i'm sorry uh with um is god violent or is god a god a god of war god a god of peace i kind of went into both different things and and one of the things that I talked about was that you know maybe we we need to look at God as as the way that He speaks to us and it changes over time because He understands the cultures that we're in and, and He's working with us in in our own uh, lostness or in our own situations. So and and the 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 passages of violence in the Old Testament really present a problem to us in the culture in which we live, where we generally do not condone violence. We see violence as something that is evil inherently. Um, and yet we see God being very clear that violence is, or corporal punishment in this case, causing inflicting pain, physical pain, on someone to admonish them is something that is encouraged. I and mean, even again, New Testament, we see Hebrews 10, where we see, uh, you know, it, it says our fathers, uh, or it says that God chastises those that he loves. And this word for chastise really is the word, if you go back to the King James, I, I just picked up a Strong's Thesaurus at the used bookstore for like a dollar so I'm, I'm digging in that thing so it, I'm not one of those people that says King James is the only thing it's a Bible I'm not saying that don't, don't get me wrong but it was the resource at hand and I kind of like looking through books a little more than I like looking online and so I might, might be doing that and I know Strong's Concordance is not the be all and end all of concordances I'm aware of that but the word for chastise really is the word uh, for scourge and, and it is used uh, many times within the New Testament that this word for scourge is, you know, they say Jesus 
multiple times says, hey, the, the Son of Man will be handed over to the Gentiles and they will scourge him. That's the word we're talking about. So this is the same thing that God says he scourges those he loves. And we see that definitely applied to Jesus, even though he did not deserve it at all. In the context of Hebrews 11, I'm sorry, not 10, Hebrews 11. Uh, oh, and by the way, I, I made a mistake last time talking about uh, Gideon. That's Judges 6 through 8, my apologies. And he was dealing with uh, the Amalekites. Um, not the Ammonites, the Amalekites. And the Ammonites. Ammonites. So, uh, getting back to the topic. Sorry, I had to make that correction. <laughs> getting back to the topic at hand. We see that in Hebrews 11, God encourages that it is an act of love to scourge for a father to scourge their children. And when God scourges us, that shows us that he loves us. We're going to come back to that point in a second. But it would seem within our modern culture, and definitely from the perspective of science, if we're going to look at the Bible and hold the Bible up as like, ooh, uh, I got to do something. To, to, I got to do some backflips here to make this work because I, I'm trying to do backflips to make science now fit the Bible or the Bible fit science as it may be. And I'm going to try to make do backflips to make the Bible fit my current culture. Um, we'll come back to this in a second. So enter Mr. Webb and I think is William Webb, author of a book. Um, I have not read. I'm actually interested in reading it. But uh, interesting book that I've had very well in detail explained to me, and we'll come back to it at a different topic for a different time. And the, the title of the book is Women, Slaves, and Homosexuals, or perhaps it's Slaves, Women, and Homosexuals. I can't remember. But his hermeneutic, that is his way of studying the Bible, uh, goes into the into that he can see a progression through the pages of the Bible. He can say, aha, look, Old Testament, this is how women are treated. We get to Jesus, women are treated a little bit differently. And if we're going to project what God's really doing here, really, even though it would seem that the Bible is really perhaps promoting or at least accepting of an inequality between men and women, at the end of the day, it really is promoting equality. Same thing with slaves. Even though there are definitely slaves within the Old and New Testament, it would seem that the actual projection of God's will is not for there to be slaves. Um, God is not someone that is pro-slavery. And if you're reading the Bible and getting a pro-slavery position out of it, you're not reading it uh, to the fullness of, of, of what it is. There's actually a better understanding of uh, the Word of God that does not promote slavery because it does show the heart of God. The fact that he accepted slavery in the past was just, you know, due to our issues um, and our cultural bindings. And we weren't, we as a people of God, were not ready to accept the fullness of God's revelation at that point. Um, now with homosexuals, he gets to hold, he, he says no. Actually, we see a consistency throughout the Bible that uh, God does not condone homosexual acts uh, throughout the entire course of Scripture. So we can see for women and slaves, there, there is a progression of, uh, of a, of equality that God is moving towards. However, for homosexuality or for the homosexual act, we can say that is not the case. There is a very clear mandate through Scripture that God is not pro-homosexual acts. So that, that's Mr. Webb. And he published that book many, 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 many years ago. I don't know how long ago, but I know at least heard of it. The first time I heard of it was in 2006, 2007. Um, and then recently, or a little more recent, I don't know, maybe 2012, 16 maybe he did publish a book which I have also not read but it's called uh, corporal punishment I believe and it talks about this very issue in the Bible how God is really pro corporal punishment and, and he begins the book and as I was able to do some research by just reading reviews in Amazon which were able to almost succinctly summarize the book in a very short <laughs> space um, but one of the examples he talks about was that he was sending the book to one of his uh, African friends his evangelical African friends to see what they would think about it. And uh, he sent it to them and, and he never heard anything back from them. He thought, well, that's kind of weird. I should hear something back, but never did. When he actually ran into that this, this African brother uh, months later, he asked him what he thought about the book. And he said his African brother just was simply quiet. He took off part of his shirt and he showed multiple, multiple scars um, upon his back and upon his head that were given to him both as a child and as a youth by his very evangelical Christian parents because they were dutifully applying the mandates of scripture. 
And his words were, I believe you should share this with everybody. <laughs> uh, it is a little bone chilling because we realize you can take the Bible very literally and cause a lot of bloodshed. Um, and in this case, he was really impacted by that. So Mr. Webb, um, in his understanding of corporal punishment, applies the very same hermeneutic he did both to uh, slaves and to women and says, listen, this is not really the case. God does not want us to do this. And, and really, if we're going to apply this to the spanking debate, spanking really has no, uh, no bearing on the biblical witness at all. Because again, we're talking about using rods. We're talking about beating people when they're older. It doesn't matter how big they are. It's like you still go after them and you discipline them. Whereas most parents, uh, and even science will say this, stop spanking their kids once they reach not a certain age, but a certain size. Uh, Almost like it's as you're scared, it's like, ooh, this guy could turn around and spank me. Um, I think it tends to happen at an earlier age than that, but there seems to be something within us that causes us to stop spanking once the child has reached a certain size. However, the Bible is not gonna go down that road it actually goes down quite a different road it's like hey i don't care if you're 22 you get over here you're in the spanking uh so his take on this is that really no like the 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 idea is that even though the bible promotes definitively in the old testament a a the use of violence really the idea is that of discipline and so if we're to be faithful today we can take the same sort of uh, projection and say that we don't necessarily need to be using violence upon children. We can still embrace the Bible and understand the context, the cultural context in which it was done, um, and, and embrace that. And his thing is saying, listen, in the culture, the way that these, these laws read in Deuteronomy, the ways that these, these uh, advices can be understood in Proverbs, really are much less harsh than they were in the other neighboring countries and cultures of Israel in the time that these things were written. And as such, we can see that God's heart is not to apply abuse to children, but that it is to correct, but we need to understand that the goal is to correct and not to just abuse people. And therefore, there are almost limits on what can be done. Now, while I appreciate Mr. Webb's thoughts and ideas and concepts, I I don't know if he's right on this one. I mean, it may be, and I'm I'm putting that out for you to consider. Um, However, however, I feel like the biblical testimony is pretty clear all the way through for reasons I've already said and kind of the different verses there. But I guess the question now is, well, what are we supposed to do with it? Um, I, I guess let's get to the root of what is the point of this corporal punishment, this discipline within the Bible. And, and I'm going to go to the harshest example I can think of. And this is again in Deuteronomy, I believe in 21, 18th or 20, I want to say. Maybe it's in chapter 18. I can't remember. I, I looked it up. And it's a really interesting case, and it really does kind of dovetail into one of the last um, articles I talked about in terms of science, where it says parenting really does not matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are. And it seems like in this case, the Bible is almost kind of following that, which is not the typical thing, and, and I'm going to contradict myself in a second. But in this case, it says if, you have, if you're parents and you raise your child, and your child has grown up, and even though you have disciplined him, you have brought the rod upon him, and he continues to be rebellious. He continues to be slothful. He continues to be someone that is not a productive member of society. And he's always rebelling against you and causing you problems. And really, you cannot control him. There is no way you can keep control of this child. And that he's, that he's getting to be to the point where he's going to leave your house. It says you should bring this, this child of yours to the gate of the city where he will be judged. And if the judge really finds that this is truly a rebellious child everyone, including the parents, are to take up stones and to stone the child and remove the evil from among you. This is harsh. (laughs) This is extremely harsh. Uh, And I know many of you listening to this probably would have been stoned back in the day. And and again, I don't know. There's a lot of things in the law that were, you know, set forth. And again, I don't know how many times they were actually applied. Uh, That that would be a very interesting study. and, And I don't have that information at my fingertips to really go and start figuring that out. How many parents actually brought their child to the gates of the city and was done? How much of this was just a, a warning to be like, hey kids, you better get in line, otherwise we're taking you out to get you stoned. So <laughs> that can be a little bit different understood in the context we live in. Um, so all to say, I mean, it, it would seem that the Bible's kind of clear that even though you can discipline a child, it's understood that it 
that discipline may be 100% and totally ineffective. It may fall on deaf ears, or in this case on deaf backs, or deaf heads, or deaf buttockses, or whatever, that, that the, the idea of the punishment, this corporal punishment, does not acquire its desired effect. Um, that is, and, and again, what is the desired effect? We'll get to that in a second. But it would seem that within even the, the general musings of Proverbs, the general um, consejos, I'm trying to think of the word, the general ad- advices, the general uh, advice given within uh, Proverbs, the idea is that if you spare the rod, spoil the child, right? If, if there is no discipline, then the child is not going to be brought up in a good way. And even in the case where a child becomes rebellious, if this child is allowed to continue within society, there's going to be very evil consequences coming out of it. And it's almost better to just completely remove this this child from society at large because if you don't, there's going to be some serious consequences to it and people are going to feel them and you're going to wish I had taken this kid out before he actually got a chance to go out and ruin the world. Um, all that to say... Uh, this is kind of harsh, right? And, and I think one of the big things we have to keep in mind here is, is that the Bible is, is, again, very clear that this punishment is based out of love, right? That we go back to Hebrews 11, that God scourges those that he loves. And even though I may not appreciate this type of love, it seems like there is some type of love that comes from God, which implies scourging. Uh and, and that's going to sit wrong with us any way we look at it. Um, I don't care what you think on that. If, if I give you a whip to your child and say, whip him, you're probably not going to go there. Nonetheless, nonetheless, and I'm going to start drifting away from the Bible into what our actual application is. I will say this. I have spanked my children before. And, uh, and, I, and I have done it. And there have been times where, like in the case with my daughter, I was applying it out of much restraint and I was applying it out of a good purpose in such a way that I'm hoping to cause an adverse reaction to a certain activity or behavior of theirs. I'm trying to do a psychological, uh, you know, Pavlov dog thing where it's like every time you hear the bell, you're going to salivate. So every time you hear the word spanking, they're going to be like, ooh, I need to stop. Now, could I do that possibly without the word spanking? It could very well be done. I think that could be done. We're going to get to these practicalities in a second. Um, But the idea there is that out of love, out of goodness, out of uh, restraint, and out of a desire to do good, I'm trying to discipline my child via corporal punishment. However, however, with that said, once you open the door to doing corporal punishment, it's kind of hard to close it. And there have been times, I will admit, and I will confess, and I pray that no one comes and takes my children away because they are very happy children with their parents. Let's be clear about that. There have been very, 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 very few times, I could probably count on two fingers, where in trying to discipline them, I think my frustration that was brought about by their disobedience, uh, continual disobedience and lack of respect for me, caused me to go beyond the first intention that is that of love and disciplining and bringing them into conformity with that which is obedience to me as their father and ultimately to God and I failed as a parent in those points and I'm going to be very clear about that so whatever we do as parents whether you you want to heed the physical part or heed just the scientific part if you go down the physical road it's easier to fall into abuse. Let's put it that way. It's much easier to fall into abuse because now all of a sudden you're getting there. And and really again, we got to look at both sides of this equation. We got to consider the parents and we got to consider the children. And again, science has done a job trying to make sure okay, is is are the parents just spanking their children because the kids are so dang freaking yeah that the parents just lose it and they start hitting their kids more. Or is it that, no, the, the act of hitting the kids causes the kids to become like that? Uh, and, and again, that's, that's a good question. It looks like science has kind of has tried to the best of its ability to, to answer that question, saying, no, it's, it's yes. The kids that are the, the, the problem makers are the ones that get into more trouble. Let's just say that. 
uh, they definitely get hit more and spanked more. That's definitely the case. But it seems like they also exasperate their parents more and that causes more hitting. And that hitting creates this negative feedback loop where now they don't want to listen to it. Um, so there's really two factors going on here, the parents and the children. And the parents, I know it's very easy to get exasperated. And again, my concern a lot of times is for the parents. Are you in a position where you actually can exercise restraint? Because it's not, oh yeah, let me sit down in an office, talk with a social worker. I can definitely exercise restraint, Miss Lady, that wants to take my kids away. Um, not a problem. No, I would never hit my children. That's that's one thing. However, in the actual stress of real life, and you, you've got all the stressors of life on top of you, plus you have your kids doing who knows what, things that you couldn't even begin to imagine, and they're doing it, and they're creating all sorts of issues. Now, now, you've got to exercise restraint and not let all of that stress of that moment fly out into your hands and create a moment of abuse. Because if it's based on love, you're trying to discipline out of love, not discipline out of frustration. And that is a hard tack to do once you have liberated your hands for corporal punishment. The implications are that there's a schism here, right? And, and the implication is that it's very easy to fall out of a loving discipline in a physical way, right? And, and, it, and it also goes verbally as well. I don't want to say that only physical discipline is, is wrong because you can do many things without love. You can verbally correct or chastise someone that can cause great harm to them that is not loving to them. You can uh, ignore them completely not even pay attention to them at all, which again is a uh, horrible way to treat a child and that will also cause, I believe, great problems later on in life. So really, what are we to do? I mean, given all this, what are we to do? I mean, I, I think there's only one, I, I think one of the first things we need to look at is one, you, you got to know yourself. I, I think it's very important for us to know ourselves and, and what our limitations are and what our capabilities are. If you find yourself to be the type of person that can become easily violent, especially in moments of high frustration, which I guarantee you happens as a parent, <laughs> uh, then I don't think that perhaps physical discipline may be the best way to show God's love here. I think, I think God is not going to consider you to be uh, an out-and-out -out sinner um, just because you are not beating your child with a rod in the back. I think that'll be okay. <laughs> now, would I consider it to be a sinner if you're not disciplining your child at all? I would say yes. That is a that is the larger problem. There needs to be some sense of discipline towards a child that's there. And and the best discipline is always consistent discipline. It's explained discipline because the idea is not just to punish. The idea is to create and form. Right. If we go even back to the to the Great Commission. Jesus encouraged the disciples and told them to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the things that I've taught you. So it's not just that we're teaching so they can fill their heads with knowledge that's, that doesn't mean anything. No, it's teaching them so that their conduct, their way they live, their lives, all that they are is actually in conformance with what Jesus has taught. And that's different than just imparting knowledge. And that's different than just ignoring them and figure, oh, I'll let them figure it out on their own. And that's different than getting frustrated and beating them inconsistently. Um, I, I believe the idea is that we're trying to instruct and train in such a way that they are more and more conformed to Jesus. I, I love what a pastor at my local church says. He says, you know, with, my own, with his own kids, you know, he always told his kids, listen, I don't care if you like it. I don't care. You don't have to like it. You don't have to understand it, but I need you to obey me. And that is my job, to teach obedience. Um, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. If you have a problem with it, you can tell me. But right now, my job is to make sure that you obey what it is I'm telling you. And then, if you've got an issue with it, come tell me. Let's sit down and talk about it. Because the idea is we're trying to show love to the kids. Now, in no way, shape, or form do I want to condone physical violence or abuse of children. At all. Uh, at all. Yet the biblical testimony seems pretty clear in this case. And again, I, I, my heart breaks for people that are in other countries where children are abused. And not disciplined, but they are abused. At the same time, I know 
many people in other countries that were, quote-unquote, by Western standard, abused, and yet they've turned out great. And uh, they, they look back on those times that they were being beaten by their parents, and they laugh about it. Now, that may be some sort of psychological thing, but it's something that they remember with, with some sort of kindness and goodness, and even going back to the context of Colombia, those places where people who have been abused that I know, they, they think back about that and like, oh, those are the good old days. Now, that, that may be completely misguided and directed. I don't know. But it does kind of follow with the biblical testimony. Uh, and, and, and that is that is kind of what they see there. And, and there, there are comparisons that they've made. Listen, my parents disciplined me. They physically hit me. They did all this kind of stuff so I wouldn't get into problems. And you see these, those kids over there, the ones that are selling drugs and doing drugs and addicted on the street, their parents did nothing to them. Either they just, they just ignored them and let them figure it out on their own. And that's where they ended up. So to me, in the scale, I believe the worst thing you can ever do to a child as a parent is just to ignore them. That is, that is the worst thing we can ever do. When we just see and we communicate and we feel that our children are nothing but a bother and a problem and a source of stress and we just want to get away from them and we act upon that and we communicate that to them either directly or indirectly, then we've created a, a, a source and a habit of neglect. And that is what truly hurts a child, I believe, more than anything else, in my own humble opinion. Again, I don't have a science to back this up on me because no one studied that. Please, somebody, go study it. Um, or if there's a study, please let me know what it is. Uh, and then two, beyond that, I would believe, is discipline. There needs to be consistent discipline, whether it's physical or non-physical. I feel like that's the best thing because we're trying to train a kid up in a way that the way they should go. Um, if, if, if physicality is an issue for you, then don't do it. If, you're, if your conscience says don't do it, don't do it. Uh, if you feel like it's necessary because there's no other way to get that, again, maybe there is another way. Maybe we can try it. But understand, at some point, the kid's going to get okay with pain. Um, and, and maybe that's kind of what God is trying to teach us, that we can face pain, we can deal with pain, and, and this is normal, and this is, this is part of life, and we can get over it, and maybe it's better if we know the pain is coming from within our own family and outside of the family. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse to go out and beat up your kids or do anything like that, so all right, I'll toughen them up so they can do that. I, I, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there seems to be something that God is saying that physical pain may not be the worst thing in the world. Our culture tells us that physical violence is the worst thing in the world. But the biblical perspective perhaps is not that so much. Um, so that's just some things to consider, and, and I want you to consider that. But again, I think very clearly I'm not condoning physical abuse of children. Be, be very clear. The Bible says what it says, and, and, and I, can't, I, I, I can't take that away, and I'm not going to try to minimize it. It says what it says, and we all have to come to grips with that. Um, at the same time, we, we got to recognize that's there. I just want to leave on one note. I don't know if you remember all the way back, uh, John Elrond, no, El, oh boy, his name just got away from me. Wild at Heart Man, John Elroy, Elrond, El, oh, I can't think of it now, Elrond, Lord of the Rings, what's wrong with you? Um, anyways, that guy, he talks about in that book, if you're ever remembering that book from way back and then late 90s, early 2000s, talks about how parents inevitably give a wound to their children. doesn't matter how good of a parent you are, you are going to inevitably wound, so he's talking psychologically here, your children. And your children, you as a child of a parent that has wounded you, need to learn how to overcome that wound. There's going to be something there, and God can help you through that, uh, to paraphrase the book a little bit. And I would agree. I, I feel like that's there. And, and perhaps even with the idea of, of physical... Uh, corporal punishment, maybe that's part of that. Learning to realize pain is not the worst thing in the world. Learning to realize, oh, if I do something wrong, there, there are consequences for it. I don't like it. Um, and dealing with the psychological ramifications that come from that pain. That's like, oof, you know, and like, how can I learn to deal with this? Maybe that's going to give me better empathy for people that have had this. Again, I don't know. I don't understand what God's reasoning is behind that. Because again, we can see the scientific literature, at least in our culture for the most part, seems to say something radically different from the Bible. But perhaps, again, we don't know everything. We're going to find something out later down the road as well. Um, so I'll have to say, I'm not saying go out and beat your kids. Let me be clear about that one more time. I don't was like, oh, I really grabbed the podcast, told me I can whip my kids. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is love your children. Do not abandon them. That's the worst thing I believe we can do. But the best thing that we can do is to actually give them hope, 
give them a provision, give them grace, give them peace, and give them discipline so they can walk in it because they're not going to figure it out on their own. Trust me. I didn't figure it out on, your own, on my own, and I figured a lot of things out on my own, and, and I still needed the threat of uh, something there to actually kind of get me on the way. So with that, I'm going to conclude this podcast. Be blessed. Do well to your children. If you are a child, do well to your parents. Try to obey the best you can, knowing you're never going to get it right. We're all going to fall at some point, and that's okay. Your parents never stop being your parents. Your children never stop being your children. Love them. Love, love, love. Cover everything with a goodness of love. Okay? New Testament uh, advice from Paul. Fathers, don't uh, cause your children to get rebellious by being too harsh on them, right? Don't be too harsh, but instruct them. All right, everybody. Love you a bunch. Do well. Stay strong. Seek out the kingdom of God. And we'll see you next week.